Let's go ahead and get started. Um, we are going into John chapter 11, but I want to look just briefly at the end of John chapter 10. We've already looked at most of this. Actually, you know what? I think we didn't, we didn't finish. We, we, uh, we're going to pick it up at verse 22, actually. Uh, I was thinking we had finished it, but no, we did not. So, uh, John chapter 20, uh, 10, starting at verse 22. At that time, the feast, or the time of the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Okay, so um, John concludes chapter 22 by kind of going to another time, but continuing kind of the same theme. So he's, Jesus has been talking throughout chapter 10 about who he is. He's the good shepherd. He's the door. In chapter 9, um, you know, he was talking about being, you know, being light. Um, so we have Jesus at the time of the Feast of Dedication. What's the Feast of Dedication? Any, 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 uh, you know what this is? Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was, um, this, the uh, celebration of Hanukkah. Well, what was the celebration of Hanukkah? Um, well, it was a celebration of God doing a miracle doing the, during the intertestamental period of time and giving enough oil in the lamps to keep them burning um, during the time of the Maccabean Rebellion. And so it was a, a way of remembering God's faithfulness. But man, don't miss the connection here because what's Hanukkah also known as? The Festival of Lights. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. <laughs> you know what the Festival of Lights is it's a type of Christ pointing forward to Jesus. So, um, as with all of those Old Testament festivals, they are not the end unto themselves. They point forward to Jesus, right? Passover, well, it's all about Jesus, all right? Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, yeah, that's all about Jesus. Um, Festival of Lights, oh yeah, that's all about Jesus too. So uh, when we get to that time of the, of the year, you know, we're, we're, we're waiting to celebrate Christmas and then, you know, the uh, Jewish people are, are observing Hanukkah. Um, they're already, they're observing something that has already found its fulfillment. Um, so as, uh, as Christians, we don't want to be, you know, condescending about that, but we want to 
we want to highlight that, all right? We want to point people to the one who is the light of the world, okay? So um, Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So he's at the temple. He's in Jerusalem. And the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? It's like, (laughs) this is how I feel a lot of the time when I'm coaching my fifth and sixth grade basketball team. And I'm trying to tell, all right, here's what I want you to do. (laughs) They don't do it. You know, some of them do, yeah, you know, and, and, and some of them, it's like, I've, I've, I've told you this, that the same thing again and again and again, and, and it just doesn't compute, right? They don't hear it. They don't get it. It doesn't click, right? So <laughs> Jesus is saying to them again and again and again, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am, <laughs> right? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is what he's saying. He has made it really, really clear and they're like, yeah, are you going to keep us in suspense here? Are you going to tell us? <laughs> um, of course, for me also, when I see this, you know, in suspense, I, I think back to the old radio show because I love old radio shows. There's the old, old radio show called Suspense. And tales well calculated to keep you in suspense. Yeah. And, and they're like, is that what you're doing with us, Jesus? No, I told you. Listen to me. Right? So Jesus tells them again, I told you and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. All right. Not only have I told you, I've shown you. He's healed the blind man. He's healed the sick. He's forgiven sins. And then when they were like, whoa, I don't know if you can do that. Fine. I'll heal the guy on top of that. So, you know, I have the authority to forgive sins too. Right? So Jesus has made it abundantly clear. But they don't believe. You do not believe because you are not part of my flock. Now, listen to what Jesus says about his sheep. My sheep hear my voice and they know, I, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now here's where we get a misunderstanding and misapplication in a lot of circles. What Jesus is saying here is no one can take you out of the Father's hand. But what some people want to turn this into is once saved, always saved. If you become a Christian, you can never um, cease to be a Christian. And if somebody appears to have been a Christian and ceased to be a Christian, well, then they were never really a Christian. Well, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Uh, And there are plenty of warnings in Scripture um, warning us against that there is a possibility of departing the faith. And so we, we need to strive to walk with Jesus, to listen to Jesus, to, to be in Christ. Um, but what Jesus is saying here is nobody can take you out of the hands of, of the Lord. Right? Satan's not strong enough to do that. The forces uh, in this world aren't strong enough to do that. 
God has you. Right? Uh, you, you remember, anybody watch the, the movie, uh, The Neverending Story? You remember that one? No? Yeah. You had the big rock guy, right? And he was trying to hold on to his friends and keep them safe. And he says, you know, my hands are strong. and uh, But he couldn't do it, right? But that's not the case with the Lord. He does keep us in his hands. So what's the difference, right? Well, the Lord will never give us over, right? But can you walk away? Yeah, you can walk away. Does that generally happen with one big decision? Well, done with Christianity, I'm out of here. No, it's usually little by little by little by little by little by little. That, you know, well, I, maybe I just won't come to church very much anymore. Or maybe I don't really want to feel like confessing this sin. I'm not going to deal with that. And, and little by little by little, we walk away. It's not that the Lord is giving us over, or, uh, that he's giving, or letting us go, but that, that we have walked away. Matthew. Is a possibility. Correct. And that's why people want to reconcile it. <laughs> that's why people want to make it nice and neat. And and it's either, well, either God entirely is doing all of the saving, and therefore, if you're not saved, He has chosen that too. That's what you get with the strict Calvinist interpretation of things, or. The Arminian uh, understanding is entirely, it's in your hands. You choose God. You have to choose to be a believer. And um, you can choose or not choose. And we're in the middle saying, well, here's what scripture says. God is all of the saving. He gets all of the credit. And you also can reject. Now, is there a tension there? Yeah. We hold it in tension. We don't try to reconcile it. We just keep with what God's word tells us because that's what God's word tells us. <laughs> Does it fit nice and neat so that we can just, you know, put it in a neat little box? No, that's okay. Yeah, I was going to say that um, this is the word in sacrament here is just really striking, mm-hmm. especially coming from a tradition that didn't have value Right. Not just practice, but just receiving sacraments. Right, right. Um, but there's something about coming to the Lord's table mm-hmm. and re- just receiving that grace. Right. Even in spite of the fact that you know you're a sinner. Yeah. And you're by faith receiving this. There's that by faith piece is yeah. so critical, but it's the grace that God gives to us. And that's. Mm-hmm. It, on the other side, we're describing here, it's what we often are doing for God or how we're trying to live holy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, mean, I just appreciate the, the sacramental part of this. Yeah, yeah. So sacramentally, right, You want, if you want to continue in the faith, 
We don't have to wonder how God's going to sustain us in the faith. He tells us, right? All right, here you go. My body and blood given for you, right? When Jesus says, abide in me, we don't have to go, how, how does that happen? Well, no, you, you know how it happens. It happens through word and sacrament. You hear the word, you receive the sacraments, Jesus is feeding you. Jesus is strengthening you. And now you are able to produce good fruit, not because you are a fruit-producing machine, but because you're attached to the vine. You are being fed by Jesus. And he brings about those good works. So, yeah, it, it, it all goes back to Jesus, doesn't it? <laughs> and where Jesus promises to be for us. For us. Okay, so... Um, this, but these words should be really, really comforting for us, shouldn't they? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Right? You're in the hands of Jesus. So, we keep looking to Jesus. All right. Now, it started off, uh, this, this, this section here, started off with this, them saying, um, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly, right? And now Jesus tells them plainly, and what's their reaction? The Jews picked up stones to, again to stone him. <laughs> I don't think they liked his answer. <laughs> so <laughs> why did they pick up uh, stones to stone him. That's what you do with blasphemers. Mm-hmm. Because they, they are accusing him of blasphemy. Right? They know exactly what he's claiming. And what are we back to? We're back to the C.S. Lewis, right? He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he is the Lord. Right? Either Jesus is really lying about all of this stuff and he's not actually who he claims to be or he is a crazy man claiming these things or he actually is who he claims to be. Now, what authenticates the words of Jesus? Ultimately, the resurrection. The resurrection shows he is who he says he is. He is who he claims to be. All right. So the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them. See, this, <laughs> this is Jesus. If it's me, they pick up stones. I'm, I'm like, I'm not answering them. I'm running. <laughs> Jesus answered them. I have shown you many good works from the Father. Which, uh, for which of them are you going to stone me? He's like, are you going to stone me because I gave sight to a blind man? Or because I healed somebody? What are you so mad about here? The Jews answered him, it is not for good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. Now they got it exactly opposite. (laughs) Right? Who being in very nature God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, right? So Jesus takes on humanity. 
He makes himself man. He was God from the beginning, but he makes himself man. Uh, so they have it exactly opposite. You know, Christology is the probably, uh, I think, it, uh, the most important thing to get right, knowing who Jesus is. Um, because if you get it wrong, you're going to get everything else wrong. The Mormons have a wrong Christology, so they have the wrong gospel the wrong God. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, wrong Jesus, wrong gospel, wrong God. Okay, if you get who Jesus is wrong, you're going to get everything else wrong. Okay. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If... He called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Okay, so Jesus uh, quotes scripture. He's going back to Psalm 2 in, in, in this, and, and uh, what his point is, it is you know, God uses this kind of terminology in the Old Testament. He's free to do this. God is free to do this, and now God has made it very clear that this is his son. Because remember, who said that? Oh, yeah. At the baptism of Jesus, what did God the Father say? This is my beloved son. So Jesus says, he has, he said this already, right? I'm not blaspheming, and, and not only that, Look at all of the works that I'm doing. Are they in accord with God and the things of God? And you can't say that they're not. They are. Uh, so Jesus even is now saying, now if you don't even want to, if you don't want to believe my words, at least look at all of the actions, and that should help you to conclude this. So it's not just words; it's words and actions that Jesus gives. Okay, uh, and, and verse 39, again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Okay, uh, verse 40, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed him there. So, um, John, Jesus goes to where John had previously been, which, by the way, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of um, church fathers think it was the same place where they crossed the Jordan in the first place when they entered the promised land where John was baptizing, which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Um, and so Jesus is there, and he is continuing this work. And people out in the wilderness are believing. 
The people in Jerusalem at the temple are the ones who are not believing. Uh, But they believe because of the witness of John, but not just because of the witness of John, but because the things that John says about Jesus, Jesus then is and does. So the actions confirm the witness of John. All right. Thoughts, comments, questions, anything for the end of John chapter 10. Okay. All right. So (laughs) we get to chapter 11, which is a fantastic, fantastic chapter. Um, Yesterday, uh, one of the, one of the, kids, um, uh, younger brothers of one of the kids on my, my fifth and sixth grade team was, was telling me that he was at a, a spelling bee and there was a kid named Lazarus and Lazarus was completely unprepared. He didn't come ready at all. He didn't have any, he didn't even seem to know what he was supposed to do. And, uh, his name was Lazarus, huh? Yeah. I bet his parents every morning, they say, Lazarus arise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Lazarus, this whole, this whole account is fantastic. Uh, it is this wonderful teaching of Jesus of, of now and not yet, of faith, of looking to the Lord, even when the circumstances look like, well, there's no hope here. Um, Jesus teaches us a lot in this chapter. So uh, verse, or chapter 11, verse 1, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, for it is, the, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Where have we heard similar language to that from Jesus previously? It wasn't long ago. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? (laughs) And what does Jesus say? Neither this man nor his parents, but so that God may be glorified through him. So now we have this similar thing. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So um, the sisters, Mary and Martha, we know Mary and Martha, right? (laughs) Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Martha, you know, Martha was was, uh, busy serving. You know, we know that whole account. Right? And here's their brother, Lazarus. And they, uh, they sent for Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Well, does he love Lazarus? Why is he ill then? You know, have you ever, have you ever had that kind of thought in your own life, right? Well, if, if the Lord loves me, why this? If the Lord loves my loved one, why are they having to go through this? Is it does God really love me? Love them. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. 
<laughs> You've been reading Job, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's our that's actually our our, our uh, old testament reading for this morning uh if you're if you're doing the the daily lectionary you know the last two days it's from job uh and we're we're going to be in job for a while now um but yeah here's job and he's lost everything and he just keeps looking to the lord for good this this kind of takes us back to our sun our wednesday night bible or uh, uh, large catechism study um what is it to have a god it is to continue, what you look to for good. What you look to for good is your God. What you fear, love, and trust in, that's your God. But also what you look to and expect good from, that's, that's God to you. And so here, Mary and Martha, they go to Jesus and they say, our brother's ill, you love him, come help him, right? Just like when you pray for somebody, you're saying, Lord, you love this person, come and help them. Right? Now, does he always help in the way that we would like for him to help? No. Nope. <laughs> does he sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. But our outward circumstances cannot be the way that we measure are we loved by God. When we start measuring things in that way, man, oh man, it leads down a bad path. It leads down a real bad path. What what kind of what kind of errors can that lead to? Yep. I mean, thinking God's a narcissist, thinking God's not loving, thinking huh. God, if God was really a loving God, He would take care of all these things and make everything perfect. And yeah. Yeah. What else? My faith is a tool. Uh, I have to declare and decree what I expect from God and yeah. And so now, where are you really looking? You're looking to yourself, right? Your faith has become the object of your faith rather than Christ as the object of faith. Yeah. Yeah. So it leads down a really, really dark, dark roads, dark paths. Um, when in, in the midst of that darkness, the light of Christ shines through the cross. That was our reading from 1 Corinthians for today. <laughs> so you want to know if you're loved? Just look at the cross. You want to know, does God really care? You look at the cross and you know for sure. Okay. So Jesus says this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I think when we understand our own trials, difficulties, sicknesses, whatever it might be, in that way, it really helps. Okay, why is this happening? So that the Son of God may be glorified through this. And I've seen this with people when... All right, I have cancer. I am going to die. But now people can't help but listen to my testimony. <laughs> they, they, they know it's impolite to listen to somebody who's dying from cancer. So I'm going to tell them about Jesus and they can't tell me to stop. <laughs> I, I've seen that happen. So, you know, that's just one example. But, but when we see all of, uh, all of these things through that lens, uh, it, it, it brings purpose as well. It helps us to understand the purpose uh, of suffering.
Okay, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Right? So the one whom you love, he's ill. Does he love them? Yep. Jesus loved them. Right? So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? What? That doesn't seem like, all right, here's part A, here's part B. That, there's a disconnect here, right? Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, so he didn't come help right away. He waited two days longer. Like, you would think Jesus loved them, so immediately he came. Well, of, of course he is, right? Right, but that's what I'm saying. If you have, you know, Christ is like a three-dimensional being, right? You know, sometimes people think he's my buddy, mm-hmm. right? He's my savior, he's my judge, and he's my king. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to have enough sense to see all that. And I think Martha didn't understood that. Well, and it's what's interesting is, okay, so... Even if, according to our senses, we don't think that's the loving action to take, Jesus knows that it is. (laughs) It's because of his love that he doesn't come and help right away, which seems counterintuitive to us, doesn't it? But if he had come and helped right away, he wouldn't have been able to bring the teaching that he desired to bring not just to Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but to everybody else who was going to witness the resurrection of Lazarus. He loved them enough not to help them right away. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we recognize that as if you're a parent, sometimes you have to love your children enough not to jump in and help right away, even though you want to, <laughs> because they have to go through the struggle in order for the, the better things to come. Um, Jesus, I think in part, that's, that's what he's doing here. Okay, so, uh, you know, he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, so he stays two days longer in the place where he was. He doesn't come help right away. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Like, Jesus, are you out of your mind? (laughs) Really? They just wanted to throw rocks at you. You want to go back there? I don't, because that would hurt to get hit with rocks until you die. Uh, The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Okay. Is that the kind of anti-Jonah? What do you, what do you mean? The flip side of Jonah. Okay. You know, Jesus, you know, Jonah was reluctant to go right? because he feared for himself. Correct. Well, not only that, he didn't even like the people. Right. <laughs> and they hadn't even done anything to him, right? 
Well, maybe. We don't know for sure. Right. But, but yeah. Saying, but right. Christ, right. Who they, they tried to kill him, right? Mm-hmm. He, he acts, he's the anti-John. He's going to yeah. anyway. I like that. That's good. That's a good, uh, good way of saying it. He is the anti-Jonah, right? Right. So, okay, I need to go help. Yeah, but they really hate you. Yeah, that's why I'm going to help them. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. They're going to try to kill you. Yeah, I know. But they won't until I lay down my life. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so he, where Jonah was unfaithful, he is faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, verse 11, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. All right. <laughs> I love this because this is just, you know, a reminder that we're a lot like the disciples. We don't always get things right away. Uh, what is Jesus saying? Lazarus has died. I'm going to go raise him from the dead. Right? The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, you will recover. <laughs> if he's just asleep, he'll wake up. It's okay. You don't have to go there. You don't have to go where they want to throw stones at you. Okay? Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So first, let's look at this. So Jesus says, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because then I would have healed him, he wouldn't have died, and this greater glory wouldn't have taken place. Right? So, um, it seems to us that him healing him before his death, you know, would have been better, right? Initially. Right? Lord, help him right now! And he's like, no. When the time's right. Well, he's died, it's too late now. No, it's not. It's just the right time now because he's died. So I'm going to go so that you may believe. Right? What do we know? What, what do we call these miracles in the Gospel of John? Signs. They are pointing to the reality of who he is. Right? So Jesus is going to give the greatest of his signs yet with the resurrection of Lazarus. Now, what do we usually think about with Thomas? Doubting Thomas. (laughs) Poor guy. Uh, He goes and he goes to become a great missionary and all of this. The only thing anybody remembers is he's doubting Thomas, right? Uh, (laughs) But here, does this sound like a, a cowardly Thomas? Nope. Let us also go that we may die with him. That's pretty brave, right? He says, yeah, okay. If Jesus is going, we're going too. There's danger in being with Jesus, but 
we're sticking with Jesus, right? That's, that's, a, that's a good attitude right there. That's a, that's a demonstration of trust in Jesus. Um, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, he doesn't quite have the full picture here yet, does he? Fine, fine. If this will go down in a blaze of glory, you know. Well, no, not exactly. Uh, you know, he's, he has no anticipation yet of the resurrection. He still doesn't fully get who Jesus is. And so this resurrection of Lazarus is going to help inform Thomas. But even then, it's not going to fully sink in. It's going to have to wait until the resurrection of Jesus. And even then, it's going to need the appearance of Jesus for Thomas. Right? But this is woven through the Gospel of John because in the end he's going to say, um, you know, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Okay, we're out of time, um, and I don't want to start on that next section and shortchange it because there's a lot of good stuff in there. So let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus as our good shepherd, as the light of the world, as the Savior who has come. We know that when we pray, you hear and you answer, but not always in our time, not always in the way we expect or would prefer, but always in the way that is best because of your love for us. So give us the faith to look to you in good times and in bad, to trust in you for, for good. To believe in the midst of suffering that you are at work for a greater good. That our faith would be strengthened. That our trust in you would give us comfort and security. We thank you for revealing Jesus to us. And ask that you would continue to help us to look to him for all good. In Jesus' name, amen.